You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. We're about an hour away from the 12 o'clock kicks. Great interconference battles a little bit later today from top to bottom. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello live from Studio 34, breaking it down for you with all of our top 25 analysis and best bets and picks for the upcoming games in about an hour. But Rich, we spoke about it last week. We're partnered here at Fantasy Sports with a great organization, DKMS. I said back in 2001, my dad and I were diagnosed with a rare blood lymphoma. This is a, a cause that's very important to me and my family. It was in the early stages. We got treatment, but we're doing great things with DKMS here at Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Yeah, it's a great cause. It's it's an organization that wants to delete blood cancer and they want bone marrow donors so what we're doing here is we've set up a free fantasy game i mean if you're a fan of fantasy football you could battle against your friends you could vie at the end of the year for super bowl tickets to super bowl 52 in minneapolis all through dkms so you got a chance to help a great cause and win Super Bowl tickets. To me, it's a tremendous combination. It's great. If you love fantasy sports, log on today, dailyroto.com backslash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com backslash DKMS, or you could go to rotoexperts.com backslash DKMS, or call 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-6879. Ask, join, and win. Rich, uh, great battles today right here. Top 25, USC, California is one that we have an eye on. Penn State, Iowa, that's a very intriguing one. I really like this Washington-Colorado game, but another game nobody really talking about because it doesn't have national title or conference implications yet. Kentucky, who hasn't won since November 15th, 1986, has lost 30 straight games over the University of Florida. Yeah, and I I think this is where it ends. I I do. I'm not impressed by Florida. I haven't seen anything from the Gators that lead me to believe they can go on the road against a motivated Kentucky team coming off a big victory against South Carolina. I know it's bucking history. It's going against history. But listen, Coach Stoops has done a great job in Lexington. They're playing good defense. Florida can't move the ball. They're coming off of the emotional walk-off victory against Tennessee. I think they walk into a buzzsaw. I think Benny Snell, the running back of Kentucky, that defense of Kentucky led by Josh Allen, I think they end the streak tonight. I don't care what the line is. I think this is an outright victory for the Kentucky Wildcats. I agree. For me, it is the front seven of Kentucky holding opposing offenses to 57 rushing yards per game. They held Edo Smith and Rico Dowdle in check. 55-54 total yards, respectively. Compared to last year, they were allowing 228 yards on the ground. You look at the flip side of Florida's offense, 89 rushing yards per game, and Rich, they haven't had a rushing touchdown in the last eight games dating back to 2016 i agree kentucky wins a close ball game when we come back we'll be breaking it down this is joe lisi rich cernamella live from studio 34 fantasy sports radio network
Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Football today, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, about 45 minutes to kick. We're going to be breaking down Florida and Kentucky, a critical SEC East battle. But before we do that, Rich, a lot of people have asked me when we started this podcast, you know, who do you like this week? Do you like Southern Miss? Do you like Kentucky? Do you like Georgia? Well, whoever you're picking is just as important as who where you're playing so that's why i tell everybody you go to a a reputation and a company that's rock solid it is mybookie.ag that's mybookie.ag they match your 100 percent cash uh deposit right up front their reputation is rock solid you get paid in two business days just two business days and we have a special code it's college gt enter it college gt you play you win you get paid. They have mobile apps, inline wagering, everything you need for your uh, betting needs. Great, great organization. MyBookie.ag. Go there today. Rich, the MyBookie selection is 2-1 and one on the show, and I got a little bit cocky last week, and I took Michigan over Air Force, and that was... I was against you there, but I'm going to go against you here because I feel very strongly. I'm going against you and my cousin Gabe. I'm taking Arkansas over Texas A&M for the my bookie pick. Why would you go against me? It's like, you know, the first time you touch the oven and it's hot, then you say to yourself, I'm not going to touch that hot oven again. I, I would not go against me on this game. I feel very confident my bookie.ag pick is going to be Texas A&M. How about wow. That? <laughs> so right we're now, gonna go head we're, to head. we're going head to head with the my bookie pick. But if you do want to play, you have to go to mybookie.ag, enter promo code college GT. That's college GT. They match your 100% cash deposit. You get paid in just two business days. Go to mybookie.ag and check it out. We were talking about Florida and Kentucky 30 straight now for the Gators. The last victory for Kentucky came in 1986 November 15th they picked up that victory 10 to 3 think Kerwin Bell might have been the quarterback for Florida back in the day have to double check that I know Galen Hall was the coach but I look at this defensive front seven like I mentioned allowing only 57 rushing yards per game by the Wildcats they impressed me last week with a critical victory in Columbia over Jake Bentley and more importantly third down defense for me holding opposing offenses to only 30 percent that's the difference they make Felipe Franks in that offense one-dimensional yeah what have we seen from Florida in the first two games to believe that that offense is going to suddenly wake up Kentucky to kind of play off of what Joe was saying allowing 2.2 yards per carry that defense is underrated they have talent at each level even if Jordan Jones their star linebacker is unable to play I like the matchup of the Kentucky D versus the Florida 
impotent offense. Florida, by the way, defensively, good defensive team, but no Duke Dawson, it looks like, on the back end. He's their veteran, talented cornerback. So Kentucky is motivated. They're home. Again, I like Benny Snell to gut out 80 or 90 yards. This could come down to the kickers, Austin McGinnis and Eddie Pinero. I think it's a very close game. I think Kentucky finally ends the nightmare and beats the Gators. Well, here's the thing. If you want to beat Kentucky, you have to challenge their secondary. They're allowing 289 passing yards per game. You look at Felipe Franks on the year. He only has two passing touchdowns. One of them came last week on the last play of the game, a Hail Mary. So can they get that offense in gear without Antonio Callaway, minus all those starters? I agree with you with the emotional letdown. They got through Hurricane Irma. They got the emotional victory. Now they go on the road. It's an SEC game. They've won 30 straight. I don't want to say they're overlooking Kentucky, but it's are they taking it like uh, it's just Kentucky? Well, it's we not can, Georgia. It, it's not Tennessee. This is that's Kentucky. the concern yeah. I have. That's yeah. the concern I have for Florida entering this ball game. And if you're going to get any game where Kentucky gets the victory, it just seems like the stars yeah. are aligning. Just the way Army knocked off Navy last year, it's the same type of scenario. So I'm going with the hot team. I'm taking Kentucky, but I, I think it's high scoring. 31-24, I can't take an under, 31-24 in this ballgame. I couldn't agree more in terms of the emotion. This is one of those emotion games. I, I think everything really does line up for, for Kentucky. In terms of personnel, they're getting closer. They're narrowing the gap on Florida. And until Florida can do something offensively, I have a hard time championing that squad. I mean, Jim McElwain is just not getting it done. Doug Nussmeyer, their offensive corner, they're not getting it done offensively. Felipe Franks, I think if he's going to be a star, it's not going to happen until 2018. Kentucky, if you're going to break the losing streak, you've got to do it today. I think it's going to be a great crowd at Commonwealth Stadium. I fully expect the Wildcats to get this victory. I do as well. I, I think they get a seven-point victory. That is on the SEC Network. Check that out. It is a seven, I believe a 7.30 kick a little bit later tonight. Here's one that we broke down. Michigan and Purdue Gabe is all over Michigan. He is a Michigan fan. I understand his sentiments that it is Big Ten play. He doesn't want to hear about Wilton Spate, but let's call it what it is. Wilton Spate, very inconsistent. Three touchdowns, only two two interceptions, only completing 54% of his passes. I didn't like the decisions that he made in the red zone. It wasn't so much that they didn't score. He almost turned the ball over. And I think you could see John O'Corn in this matchup. We'll see. Chris Isaac is listed as questionable. Here's the thing. I think Jeff Brom is a solid game planner. You could look at Western Kentucky's offense minus Jeff Brom. Last year with Anthony Wales, they were averaging over 200 yards per game. This year with Mike White, 88 rushing yards per game. That's the difference. Jeff Brom is not there. There's offensive balance in West Lafayette. Michigan wins, but I'm going with the hot offense here in Purdue to keep it close. I say anywhere five or six or seven points, but it is within the number later today. Yeah, I, I agree with Gabe on this game. I, I, I thought from the moment we got to, to week four analysis that this was the week that Michigan was going to wake up. And, and, and I think that they win with defense. I could see a defensive touchdown. They've done that well this year. That defensive line, Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary, Maurice Hurst, I think they have a significant advantage over the Purdue offensive line. This game reminds me a little bit of Alabama-Vanderbilt. I have a lot of respect for Vandy. Same situation with Purdue. Jeff Brom is doing a remarkable job with his quarterbacks. David Blau is playing well. 
I think Purdue could get to that six-win mark and play in a bowl game, and, and away we go in 2018. But now you're at the adult table. I, I think they're going to struggle against that defense of Michigan. I'm with you on Wilton Spade. I, I mean, if Michigan is going to take the next step and actually compete and win a Big Ten title, you know, let's call a spate a spate here. They need to do a better job offensively. They have to. I don't care what Gabe says. I'm going to say it again just to tick him off. They have to score touchdowns in the red zone. Today, I think they'll be fine, though. I think they win going away. I'm going to say about a two-touchdown victory. Yeah, we'll see how that game plays out. It wouldn't shock me. It's not one of my better plays of the day. But I'll say this about defensively. I agree with you. You could just turn it up because it is a reactionary type of mentality on the defense. You see the ball carrier. You go after it. From an offensive perspective, it's more of a, I want to say, a finesse. It's cohesiveness on the offensive line. It's understanding it's your choreographed. reads. It's, it's a choreograph. It's, it's yeah. understanding your reads and progressions. And when you're a quarterback and you're not seeing the field the way you should especially in the red zone that's the concern I have for the offense that you can't just turn it on because it is Purdue just because it is an inferior opponent doesn't mean that Wilton Spate's going to step up now and throw seven touchdown passes I just don't like his game heading into this year well, and to that point, we could have a John O'Corn, a John O'Corn sighting. I mean, that's a possibility. And to add to the concerns about the Michigan offense, and this really extends beyond just this week against Purdue, their best wide receiver, Tariq Black, out for the season. So now you've lost one of your weapons on the outside. I don't know how much longer Jim Harbaugh is going to feel comfortable going with Wilton Spade. He makes poor decisions. He sails a lot of his throws. Not a mobile quarterback, so it's not like there's anything in the playbook where you could say, you know, let's have a package, let's have a sub-package where we could use his legs. He's a lumbering quarterback in the pocket. So if they struggle early on in West Lafayette, I agree with Joe. I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Harbaugh looks down his bench and tries to find a spark from a backup quarterback. Here's a Big Ten battle that I like. It's Notre Dame, Michigan State. You have Notre Dame with a 515-yard rushing performance over Boston College. Brandon Wimbush set the Notre Dame rushing record for a quarterback, 207 yards. They're 3-2 and two since 2010 over Michigan State and have won those games by 13 points per game. But I like Sparty at home. This is a game that D'Antonio needs to win. I like Lewerke. I like with the mobility of his play in this ballgame. I'm not sold on Notre Dame. Upset in East Lansing later today. Joe and I agree. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to get from Michigan State. They've played two games, both against MAC opponents, Bowling Green and Western Michigan. Obviously now a step up in weight class. But this is a big deal for Michigan State. Mark D'Antonio is going with a lot of young kids. I've seen improvement in the first couple of weeks. I like Lewerke outside of the pocket. I like Michigan State outright as well. And you know what? If it's a close game, Notre Dame doesn't win one possession games anyway. So take Michigan State. Another game where both coaches are on the hot seat. Keep it where it is. When we come back, former Georgia wide receiver Corey Allen will be talking SEC football. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hello, 
friends? If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the Draft Kings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell them Greg Sussman sent you. Six minutes away from the start of week number four, college football, Joe Lisi, Ritz, Sermonello. What better way to get your best bet locks than with our college football guru? He's live on the Celebrity Guest Line, Game Time Decisions host, Gabe Morenci joins us. Gabe, how are you today? My bad. I apologize. Former big play, big play wide receiver in the SEC. He's live on the celebrity guest line. Former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver, Corey Allen. Corey, how are you today? I tell you what, Joe, I wasn't going to interrupt. I was going to patiently wait my turn, but I'm definitely excited about what we got. So you can call me whatever you want. We can talk football regardless. Oh, Corey, it's, you know that we know each other a long time. We have huge matchups. That's my fault. I do apologize. One of the best wide receivers in Georgia Bulldog history from 1994 through 1997. Corey, we have huge matchups within the SEC today. Mississippi State and Georgia. You look at uh, Alabama and Vanderbilt. Let's start there in Nashville. A lot of people think Alabama is just going to show up and roll over the Commodores. I like this defense, though, in Nashville. I think they can keep it close. But in the end, Jalen Hurts and that offense take over. I tell you what, Derek Mason's squad in Vanderbilt, they're extremely excited about the opportunity to take on that powerhouse in Alabama, and they're going to get tested a lot today. They're going to see a full complement of what Jalen Hurts and Bo Scarborough on offense is going to have to offer that Vanderbilt defense, but I do believe that defense playing in Nashville is going to step up to the occasion. They've been great on third down throughout the course of this season, and they've got the biggest challenge on their plate happening this weekend, and and I'm really I'm really excited about the effort that Vanderbilt's going to put forth. That defense, again, I do understand that they, they're they going to put their best players in position, especially, again, on third down because they've done a great job shutting down the running game. And, of course, Alabama's built to damage you between the tackles. So this is going to be a matchup that's going to be dictated in the trenches. And I think Coach Saban understands what he's walking into. Uh, Joe and I are excited, uh, too, Corey, about this game and, and really impressed by what Derek Mason has done with that defense and the culture. Not easy to replace James Franklin. I think he's done a remarkable job. The concern I have is second half. Do you worry about uh, Vanderbilt wearing down against the depth, the speed, the physicality of that Alabama program? That's the main thing you have to look at when Vanderbilt is taking the stage against Alabama because what we all know is the depth over at the Crimson Tide is like no other. Their first unit is just like their second unit, which is just like their third unit. And Derek Mason is really going to have to have the fans involved to keep those young players motivated. And the leaders on that Vanderbilt team on the field, the juniors and seniors that – 
play between the stripes. They're going to really have to lead the young men on their team to make sure they keep their composure because when it gets in the fourth quarter and you've been leaned on by both Scarborough for three quarters long, that's when play action can really take effect. So I think Derek Mason is going to really uh, lean on the leadership on the team and with the fan support to try to keep the team focused in the game and make sure that they stay on their toes because the big play in the second half can really kill you. Corey, when I look at this matchup overall, I feel like from a defensive perspective, Vanderbilt's going to double-team Calvin Ridley in this ballgame and force Jalen Hurts to beat them over the top with another wide receiver, Cam Sims or Robert Foster. Do you see that as a defensive game plan as well, taking away Calvin Ridley in this matchup? Well, that's the main thing. Vanderbilt wants to keep this ball between the hashes. Calvin really is going to stretch that field if you allow him to go up top. And with the safety play that they have, they're going to usually put two guys on Calvin really to make sure that that doesn't happen and force Alabama to go down the field play by play in smaller increments. But I don't think that's going to be enough because, again, Alabama has more than one player that can beat you. So on the offensive side of the ball, the diversity that Alabama shows is going to be imperative to success. And Vanderbilt is going to try to eliminate that by eliminating the perimeter players, Calvin Ridley being the primary guy. Corey, let's shift over to the Battle of the Bulldogs uh, in Athens. Uh, I love this matchup. I mean, I think it's just dripping with storylines. Georgia now the favorite out of the SEC East. Mississippi State, an upstart off of last week. I tend to think that this is the Mississippi State we're going to see all year. Do you think that was a fluke last week against LSU, or is uh, Dan, Dan Mullen's crew for real? I think Mississippi State is definitely for real. I think they have the, the recipe for success when you look at a strong leader in your quarterback, when you look at a rushing attack that's going to average close to 200 yards per game. And that defense right now, especially once again between the tackles, here in the SEC, the defense is going to have to stop the run in order to be competitive. Both of these Bulldog teams, when you look at Georgia and Mississippi State, these are the front runners right now in their current divisions. And Mississippi State uh, being no different from Alabama, they are really great at stopping the run this is going to be a dog fight for the front runners and i think coach mullen is going to do his best to keep uh, his guys prepared and on that edge as they take on this challenge that they have between the hedges in athens Corey, I, I really like georgia in this matchup uh, offensively when you look at this matchup going up against a solid defensive front seven in the bulldogs they're holding opposing offenses to 21 percent on third down conversions what could kirby smart and that offensive staff do to work jake Fromm into the offense get him into a rhythm early outside of play action I think the main thing for Jake Fromm as a young quarterback playing against a tough defense like Mississippi State, Kirby Smart is going to do what he can, not only to use those great running backs out of the backfield in the passing game, but we've got three tight ends that are going to play on Sunday, and he's going to have to find ways to get those young men the ball, primarily between the hashes to keep the linebackers of Mississippi State, uh, to keep them honest. We don't want those guys jumping in the box, attacking our running game, putting pressure on the offensive line. Georgia's going to have to do a great job with a young freshman quarterback at at the helm and he's going to have to find guys and allow those guys to make plays primarily from the running back and the tight end position to help offset the strong linebackers that Mississippi State keeps in the box. Corey, uh, uh, Joe and I have been outspoken. We both like Kentucky to break the 30-game losing streak against Florida. Do you think that's a a sign of early dementia for Joe and I? (laughs) 
I do not. I think you guys are going to be just fine. You don't have the fast track to the to the home. You guys are going. I, I, I'm in the same boat. I, I promise you because Kentucky's a serious contender this year, and they've scared me more than anybody. When you look at the SEC East, they got an offense that can be extremely explosive. In Florida right now, they're still licking their wounds a little bit. They've got players that are suspended. Some may come back. Some may not. A little bit of uh, uncertainty down in Gainesville right now, and I think their major concern is just trying to maintain the focus because when you lose a game, it can definitely snowball, and Kentucky right now is a strong enough team to go ahead and take advantage of that. Corey, I want to talk about Kentucky and Vanderbilt. I want to sort of bunch them together. If either one of these teams, or like we think, Kentucky gets the victory, what does that mean for the program as a whole? I mean, knocking off Florida, they haven't been able to do it in 30 straight games, and Vanderbilt, if somehow, some way, upset city happens in Nashville, I mean, that would be unbelievable, not only for Vanderbilt, but for the conference as a whole. The main thing that these teams can gain from a big victory like that, Joe, is the next step being consistency. Uh, we all want to develop consistency when you look at the programs in the SEC. And if Kentucky or Vanderbilt can step up on big weekends like today, it does a great job of increasing their value, getting recruits to notice them, and getting them on the right page. Because when you look at what has happened in the past, Tennessee has won some big games, but they continue to fall, and they've been inconsistent here lately. What you want to do as Kentucky or Vanderbilt you want to make sure you can take advantage of these types of opportunities, be consistent in your next matchup, and that'll just develop consistency within itself so that your players can understand how to win in these big matchups. Corey, let's shift back to uh, Georgia real quick. Uh, I'm going to ask you to speculate, which might be unfair, but just uh, you have a, your <laughs> finger on the pulse in Athens. Uh, Jake Fromm is playing well. He's got another big game against Nick Fitzgerald in Mississippi State, which we've already discussed. What happens under center uh, for Kirby Smart once Jacob Eason is uh, fully healthy. I think Kirby's going to do with any coach, what any coach would do, and that's really take a look at both guys as Jacob Eason continues to build up his health. Uh, you really have to consider who's playing, who's the hot hand, and who gives your team, your team the best chance to win. Uh, right now, we've got to go with Fromm, obviously, with the injury still being a, uh, an impact on Eason. But when Eason does get back to 100% health, Kirby Smart is going to be in a difficult position because he has to reassess what's best for the team, not what's best for the individual quarterbacks. But what is going to be best for the team? Do we need to maintain the consistency because Fromm is doing well? Or do we need a change of pace under center? And that's going to be a big decision, and that really is going to be dictated by what is the record going into the uh, the game when Jacob Eason does come back. So it'll, it'll depend on a few factors. Kirby's going to make the right decision. I've got faith in him. But the main thing is the consistency and how that will impact the team going forward. Corey, we're putting you on record with the three games, Alabama, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Florida, Kentucky. How do you see these games playing out? I've got Alabama uh, coming out on top of Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is going to lead a strong effort, but that third quarter, second half is going to be the telltale. 21-10, to 10, Bama over Vanderbilt. In the uh, game of the Bulldogs, between the hedges, I do have Mississippi State fighting hard but falling short. 31-17, Mississippi State does throw up a few scores in the late half to clean the game up a little bit. And this Florida-Kentucky matchup, I really think this is going to be the most interesting game of the day, 13-10. to 10. Kentucky on top of the Gators. Uh, Corey, great insight and information from a great player within the SEC. We'd love to get you on as these games ramp up with intensity. We hope you enjoyed it today. 
Hey, I enjoyed it, fellas. Call me whatever you want. You guys have a great one and go dogs. <laughs> he sounded like Gabe. He sounded exactly <laughs> like Gabe. I was off on that one. Former big time wide receiver from the University of Georgia, Corey Allen. He's an intense guy. And, and yeah. to get his insight about what Georgia and Jake Fromm have to do from an offensive perspective for me is important, especially Jeb Lazovich. And you look at Nauda, yeah. their tight yeah. ends are going to be factors in this ballgame. I have, I have a, a hunch here. Yeah, he brought up a good point. They have outstanding tight end play, wide receivers, Terry Godwin, but the wide receivers are average, I think by SEC standard. That's the way I feel. But, but the tight ends are above average, so this could be an opportunity for Jake Fromm, who's not really going to stretch the field at this stage of his career. Could use those tight ends today. Well, I hope Kentucky's listening because we're all on the Wildcats a little bit later today. That is a 7.30 kick. Can they break the string of 30 straight losses? When we come back, we'll be joined by Gabe Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci, Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonella, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free, 24-7. Listen to us live at fntsy.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Two minutes away from the start of week number four. What better way to break down week four than with the week four best bets? I have my cousin live on the celebrity guest line, our Game Time Decisions host, Gabe Morenci. Gabe, earlier I introduced Corey Allen as you, but now he's hot as a pistol. So are you. How you doing today? I wouldn't want to insult Corey like that. I'm sure he's got better hair than I do. Um, so you know what? I'm fired up, man. I, I'm clicking away. All right. I'm, I'm like, click, click. Someone's got to get me away from my computer uh, right now. Let's get right down to business. I'm getting uh, I'm getting excited for kickoff. Like I said, uh, you know, it's not the, the major glamorous day from the from the mainstream perspective, but we have games with national championship implications. It's conference play. And I think. You know, I think that this, this is sort of the real um, the real test, so to speak. But it's amazing how time flies. It's already homecoming, man. The season just started. It's already homecoming uh, for Purdue. Uh, but let, let's jump in with some of the plays that uh, I've been uh, getting excited about uh, right now. I'm really talking myself into Texas A&M, and it's funny because this game wasn't on my radar. People asked me about this game last night. I said, man, that game I'm staying far, far away from. Texas A&M and, uh, and Arkansas. Now the kickoff is approaching. I got to get a piece of Texas A&M. Uh, you know, they, they own the Hogs in this series, and the Hogs just fall short. They can't tackle. Uh, they, they can't tackle. They, they can't stop the run. And I think that someone's going to get the win here. But I think we've got a live home dog tonight um, up there in Boulder. Mark and Mindy. Uh, style tonight, <laughs> kicking it old school. Uh, Uncle Rich, see, Uncle Rich remembers Uncle that Rich reference, remembers right? no Mark and Wendy. Mark and Mindy, of course. Well, you remember, yeah, even as a kid, I remember they remember these the, the flyover in the intro that show the stadium. I remember the, the, the colorful suspenders, of course, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, they, they got tattooed in the Pac-12 championship game last year. You know, Washington are a very, very good football team. Um, you know, there's a perception, oh, you know, they're not as good as last year. They're not as good as last year. 
I don't know if it's that they're not as good as last year. It's the fact that there's a target on their back now. They're not sneaking up on anybody, and you have to lay big points. And to me, laying double-digit points with with a, with, with Coach McIntyre playing with revenge in this spot on a Saturday night, and I don't know. Everybody talks about ASU being a party uh, school, guys. I don't know if you guys know what happens up there in Boulder, okay? <laughs> like, it's a late-night game. I can't. I can't imagine the um, the party-like festive atmosphere that's going to be going on up there uh, tonight. I think we have a live uh, live home dog, and I think the total is much too low uh, as well. And uh, guess who's back? And I'm not talking about Slim Shady. I'm talking about uh, the, that team up there in uh, in Eugene. Yeah, I'm not saying the Ducks are all the way back, national champion uh, contenders back. Uh, but this is a lethal offense, and they're having a lot of fun, man. Herbert's getting better on a weekly basis. Uh, Taggart, uh, Taggart has the kids ready to play. They sort of take the pedal off the metal. If you notice, there's a theme every week with the Ducks. They've been taking the pedal off the metal in the second half. So maybe we want to take a look at a first half over uh, between the Ducks and the Sun Devils. But we have a short number here. and You know, the Sun Devils are in a lot of trouble. Uh, now reality is going to start to catch up to them. The conference play is uh, beginning, and I think they're going to be exposed. You want to talk about uh, not being able to tackle? Uh, you know, look no further. Uh, look no further than Tempe. Arizona State can't tackle. Uh, the Ducks are going to run this uh, up. I don't see how the Ducks don't win this game by 21 or more. I also like the over in that uh, football game. A game that's flying out of the radar, and a team that I was very high on coming into this year was Lane Kiffin's Florida Atlantic uh, Owls. Uh, you know, they lost to Navy. That was a tough first game that they played. You know, they had to go up there uh, to Madison. Uh, tough, tough spot for them. Seems like everybody's sort of given up on this team. There was a lot of hype about them coming into the year. Now they're playing against a very winnable opponent tonight. It's a short price on the road. There's just too much speed, too much athleticism, too much uh, brain power in the coaching room here. Give me Florida Atlantic in a game that's really flying under the radar against uh, the Buffalo Bulls. And... You know, I think the demise of the Michigan State Spartan program might be a little bit premature. I think it's going to be a tough spot. You look at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is beat up two sort of, you know, pedestrian, similar football teams, offensively challenged teams in Boston College uh, and in uh, in Temple. They played Georgia tough. I'll give them credit, but they lost on their home field. It's You know, you want to talk about hostile environments. Yeah. They say Detroit is dangerous. I wouldn't want to be hanging around with these kids at that tailgate. They burn couches and stuff like that. There's toxic fumes in the air. Uh, I tell you what, Sparty gets it done tonight on national television. It's the the bookies in Michigan are going to have a bad day because the Spartans are going to cover and the Michigan Wolverines are going to cover. Gabe, keep it in the Big Ten. I know it's probably not one of your best bets, but uh, it's certainly one of the best games. Penn State in Iowa, in Iowa City, night game, fascinating for the Big Ten. Uh, have you given some thoughts to that matchup? Well, here's another old school that uh, reference that I know you'll get, Uncle Rich. I'm not sure. Maybe Joe's not going to get this one. Uh, but I remember when Ross Perot ran for president. And I'll never forget, he did an interview with Larry King, and he said, Larry, only dead people and uh, dumb people don't change their minds. And... That's where I'm looking at this. Earlier in the week, I was buying into the trendy hype. That's what we as betters like to do. We want to call out, you know, the upset and all oh, the trendy underdog all the time. We have a legitimate, uh, we have a legitimate live home dog with the Colorado Buffaloes. We have an explosive offense. When you're betting an underdog, you want that back door to be open. So if Washington are up by 17, Colorado's offense is good enough to punch in a late touchdown and cut the number to 10. I'm not so sure Iowa can do this. 
And I know there's a lot of trends towards uh, Kirk Ferentz and playing with revenge and all this ATS type of stuff. Uh, but I wonder about Penn State's team speed. You know, this Barkley kid's a, a, you know, he might be one of the best players in the country that nobody talks about. Now, I would like to see the football god strike James Franklin down with lightning after icing a kicker uh, in a fashion that he did. Uh, but the fact is, life isn't fair. And James Franklin's doing uh, what all, all, every other college football uh, coach uh, does, uh, pretty much uh, without worrying of fear or reprisal. Uh, so they're trying to make a name for themselves. It's a dangerous game. I was going to take Iowa earlier in the week. I've talked myself off of it. I'm probably going to pass. And our boy Mike Cardano sent me a text. Uh, he's, uh, he's, you know, the kids' uh, kids' uh, ball game this morning. Uh, but he sent me a text asking me, he's like, are Nebraska that bad that they can't uh, cover double digits against Rutgers? And I told him, run far away. Stay away from that game like you stay away, stay away from Newark at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, much to your point, Gabe, about Oregon, they've won 10 straight over Arizona State, now dominated the series. Last victory for the Sun Devils came in 2004. Since 2010, Oregon has won those games by 14.4 points per game. So much to your point, Oregon looks like the stronger team in this matchup. I want to bring up another Pac-12 game, UCLA and Stanford. Stanford's won nine straight over the Bruins won that ball game 22 to 13 since 2012 they're six and zero over the Bruins and have won those games by 14.4 points per game we've been all over Josh Rosen on this show there's no way I could buy into UCLA's defense giving up 275 rushing yards on the ground you know this is this is an interesting football game it's flying under the radar as you stated, cosmetically, how, how, how the heck is uh, UCLA going to tackle Stanford? How, how are they going to, you know, there's, there's not going to be a lot of love that UCLA is uh, feeling. They're going to feel a lot of love, but it's, it's not going to be the good kind. Uh, but with that being stated, I wonder how good are uh, Stanford? And I also wonder if UCLA is able to score. Stanford's defense isn't, isn't impenetrable. All right. You know, we saw San Diego State move up and down the field. It wasn't a high scoring game, but San Diego State, when they need first downs, they're able to get it. I also wonder how Stanford's going to bounce back right now after two losses in a fashion uh, that they've had, including a conference uh, loss. This is a strange game to me. On paper, it looks like Stanford should run the ball down their throat and they'll, they'll, they'll harass Josh Rosen. I'm not so sure. Stanford sort of remind me of the Seattle Seahawks. You know, you got to show me first. I don't know. I, I, I don't trust them. Uh, I don't trust them laying uh, laying enough uh, the seven here. But speaking of San Diego State, uh, we'll keep it on the West Coast. The Aztecs. These guys have been money, man. We told you they were going to get it done against Arizona State. They won in there. They won the game outright. And I know uh, Joe, uh, cousin Joe, was on that uh, as well last week. I couldn't abandon ship. We had to take them against Stanford because they've been good, good, so good to us. And now we're laying a field goal against Air Force. Air Force just played a physical game at Ann Arbor last week. It's not like they're in some scheduling uh, advantage. This is a, a me, this isn't one of uh, Calhoun's best uh, Air Force. This isn't uh, the you know this isn't a great Calhoun old school Air Force football team. It's an average Air Force football team. San Diego State are road warriors. They don't let up. Uh, there are no letdowns with these guys. Uh, they're on a mission. They want to play in a big time bowl game, and South Alabama's derailed that. Uh, they're 16 and two guys. Their last 18 games in Mountain West uh, Conference uh, football games. I'm laying the field goal. The number keeps coming down. I have no problem with laying a field goal with the Aztecs uh, here. Maybe if Air Force was at home last week and it was a different scheduling situation, Air Force just played Michigan. 
Now they have to come home and play another very efficient uh, running football team with a good defense. Give me the Aztecs. I'll lay the field goal. Gabe, great information as always. We hope you're hot as a pistol a little bit later today. We'll be in touch all day long. We hope you enjoyed it today. Yeah, always a pleasure, guys. So right out of the gate, I'm taking NC State plus the points. Let's get it. Great information from Game Time Decisions. I like host. that game. You talked him into Texas A and M. By the I way, I love that you cousin talk- Gabe is Uncle getting Uncle Rich. Talked him. You're well, going sometimes the wisdom of the uncle affects the other, you know, youngsters within the family. The last I mean, laugh. so, I'm going to have the last. No, laugh I don't think one. so. I, Twelve o'clock this, this kick. I'll be right bad, here at Rock and Arkansas team. It's it's it's. Arkansas's version of Missouri. Don't bet <laughs> bad football teams. Well, we'll see how That's that game, what Uncle Rich we'll, says. We'll see how that game plays out in about 20 minutes from now. But a game that he did bring up, and we didn't touch on it in depth, was UCLA and Stanford. Yeah. It's strength on strength, I want to say. UCLA's passing offense with Rosen going up against Stanford secondary, giving up 199 passing yards to opposing offenses. And then the rushing attack of Stanford going up against UCLA's rush defense. We'll see how that game plays plays out. I have to go with Stanford in that battle. How do you see it quickly? Uh, quickly, I'll say Stanford. I don't like either team right now. When though. we come back, Rich and I will be giving you our best picks for the day. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. on college football today rapid fire picks about seven minutes from kickoff let's get right into it big battle in the sec georgia mississippi state i think it is the front seven of georgia holding opposing offenses to 71 rushing yards per game they contain brandon winbush the dogs the georgia bulldogs get a convincing 20 point victory later today this is one of my best picks of the weekend yeah, we're going to go head-to-head in terms of love best it. bets. I love Mississippi State. I think they're for real. What we saw against LSU last week was what we're going to see all season. 37-7, to dominant on both sides of the ball. I think they compete for all 60 minutes between the hedges. Take the points. Take Mississippi State. We'll see how that game plays out. It's a 7.30 kick a little bit later today. Another intriguing battle. It's Penn State and Iowa. Pink locker rooms. Forget it. McSorley and the crew get a convincing double-digit victory. I think 17 points or more over Iowa. Not so old on the Hawkeyes passing defense. Allowing 238 passing yards per game. Penn State's front seven. 11 total sacks through three games. That's the difference. They get a 17-point victory later today in Kinnick. Joe, not not a best bet for me, but I like Iowa. Night game, a lot of intensity. Akram Wadley is healthy. Iowa has the better defense led by Josie Jewell. I think they'll be up to the challenge. I think this is a game in the fourth quarter. 
I like Penn State to win as well. I'll say between maybe like 10, a dozen points at the end of the day. Take the points. Strong home dog in Iowa. We'll see. In about five minutes from now, NC State on the road against Florida State. I think Florida State gets it done. Not one of my best picks, but you like the Wolfpack later today. Yeah, Gabe talked about it. I I completely agree. I mean, look at Florida State. Haven't played in three weeks. Breaking in a true freshman quarterback. There's going to be some rust. NC State has been pointing to this game since the offseason. Darn near pulled it off last year. This year, I think they're close again. I think it's a battle of the defensive lines. If you're looking for a defensive line in NFL GMs, this is your game. Close. Florida State wins, but not by 13. Rematch of the Pac-12 championship. Colorado, do they get their revenge? I think they do. It's a close ball game, 28-24. It is third down defense for me. Colorado holding opposing offenses to 25%. Not sold on the rushing attack of UW. Only 128 rushing yards per game. That's the difference. They get a four-point victory in Folsom Field. Yeah, I think Joe is on to something here. Not one of my best bets, but I think this is a very live underdog at home. Colorado is still... Still a solid football team that plays defense, can run the ball. They're at home. They want revenge for what happened in the Pac-12 championship game. I agree with Joe. Not with the same intensity, but I agree with him. Yeah, you like Texas A&M. I like Arkansas later today. It's about five minutes from now. Those big uglies get it done. Yeah, I, I love A&M. Uh, Gabe got me fired up, too. He, I, I, as we get closer to kickoff, I'm more on A&M. I just think they have better skill position talent in the battle of hot seat coaches. Kevin Sumlin lives to see another day. 330 kick number one Alabama gets a 14 point victory over Vanderbilt Kyle Shermer makes enough plays in the passing game to keep that game close I like Vanderbilt as a best pick later today yeah not one of my best bets I could see it at 14 Joe in the fourth quarter and then Bama gets one of those non-offensive touchdowns maybe how about a Minka Fitzpatrick to give me the cover at 21 points yeah we're both on Michigan State not a best bet for me but you like them later today I do I think a close game Notre Dame does not fare well in close games. Take Michigan State to get the 3-0. I'm back on Missouri. They play Auburn tough. Not sold on Jared Stidham. They play this game very close. Lose a 10-point game to Auburn a little bit later today. You better get back on your medication, (laughs) my friend, because Missouri is awful. I could not stake my reputation on that team. We're both on Duke. Not a best pick for me, but you like them a little bit later. Agreed. And we're, we're against each other. I like App State in the close upset. You like Wake Forest. I love Wake Forest, one of my six best bets. For Rick Sermonello, this is Joe Lisi. Enjoy the games. We'll see you next Saturday. College football's the best. We just love talking about it.